You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapassi, and alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gilleary. Uh, it's, um, we're two weeks away from the big game, Paul. Neither one of us are happy. No, I know. Your, your, your uh, Dallas Cowboys fell short, courtesy of my uh, Niners, and my Niners fell short, courtesy of uh, Brock Purdy's uh, torn... Uh, Torn ulnary ligament. Your so. team cannot catch a break with quarterbacks. <laughs> no, good lord! Ridiculous. Anyway, uh, but the good listener can catch a break, and we can catch a break too <laughs> if they simply feed the algorithm <laughs> oh, by rating, God. reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on your platform of choice. That's fabulous. Yeah. Good pivot. Love to see it. <laughs> um, little housekeeping out of the way um we thank our listeners all of you for listening because it helps grow this thing uh anybody who is a patreon member we really appreciate that um and anybody as paul mentioned who feeds the algorithm that puts it into the algorithm's uh grasp um gi track and then poops out <laughs> people think is how it works um and of course you know t-shirts if you want one of those we have those two uh this new week, t-shirt my, coming out this year yes i'm we, sure of it we've, we've had patrons we've been talking yeah. patrons have been have been helping uh, us design it so we'll announce that very soon and uh, you may have already noticed but i'm battling a bit of a head cold courtesy of my children so uh if i sound weird or my my energy starts dipping that is why yeah it, it, it's that like eddie vetter circa riot act era where he literally sounds like he has cotton balls <laughs> in all sides of his mouth when he's so, singing, so. I'm going to do my best to enunciate and yeah, uh, have go. energy before I collapse. Outstanding. Don't uh, enunciate too much. Otherwise you'll veer into like seven o'clock syndrome though. Oh yeah. yeah and too I know that's words. a particular trigger for you. So <laughs> it is, it is. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we did last week a, um, a show that was all about replacing. And, uh, I guess, you know, I'm going to borrow a phrase from the Foo Fighters, erase and replace. Hey. Um, some tracks off of Rearview Mirror Greatest Hits. What are three tracks that we thought we could kick the boot, give the boot to, and three tracks that didn't make it that should have? Mm-hmm. Now, Great exercise. Really enjoyed that, by the way. That was fun. And it was extra fun because I didn't understand my own topic. So I came <laughs> in real incorrect. And I thought I that you landed on your feet with the nimble agility of a cat. Oh, man. I was felining left and right. Yeah. and uh, But today, what we're going to do is actually kind of what I thought we were going to sort of do last time. And that is, since River Mirror, there have been four, I believe, right? Four studio albums. Avocado. Uh, in fact, yeah. We, we have Gold. Avocado. Black, black Exactly. Yeah. Four so albums. So there's four. So, you know, there's, what is that? Probably a little over 50 songs. There are a lot of bands that literally have a catalog entirely comprised of simply four albums and then would release courtesy of a, a, you know a, mm-hmm. a, a label's request or whatnot uh an attempt to, to you know one last money grab some type of a, a greatest hits album so it's amazing to think that post rearview mirror pearl jam has actually produced enough content to do yet another greatest hits release i don't think that's in the cards obviously as the right. band is is not yet ready to, to, to hang them up but uh you know, nonetheless, we have enough to work with here where I think it would be a fun exercise for us to think about what would volume two greatest hits look like everything post riot act. It's basically like a disc, right? Yeah. So you're talking like 50 to 60 to 75 minutes, something in that range. It's yeah. longer than our usual um, playlist. It's like a proper right. album, like a proper. I, I want to say if I, if I go back to Revremier that the average I think each disc had somewhere between 15 and 17 songs, if I'm not mistaken. That's a lot. Which is, yeah, it was a lot, you know, so they, they crammed a lot in there. Uh, so I figured we could give ourselves a cap somewhere in that vicinity. So if, if, if you have in excess of 17 songs, you'd have to try to cut that down to, to no more than 17. 
I don't believe I did. I think I had, well, I'll, I'll just count it real quick. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen songs. I've got fourteen songs. Well, I have twenty. Holy shitballs. I, I have twenty candidates. That doesn't mean I think okay. all twenty necessarily need to be. But but I'm gonna lead with one track here because this I think will all really right. govern this exercise. Okay. And the and the the track in question, my friend, is the fixer. Oh, and I say that because I don't personally believe it is a greatest hit within the band's catalog. However, it was released as the first single off of Backspacer. Mm-hmm. It debuted and peaked at number two on the Billboard Rock Charts, and it reached mm-hmm. number three on the Billboard Alternative Songs Chart. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, uh, and it had an accompanying video that went with it. It was kind of the uh, springboard for which Backspacer was released. In many respects, this would qualify as a greatest hit, at least by the metrics that, you know, the band seemed to be using for some of the songs they included in the last reiteration or iteration, I should say, of uh, of, of greatest hits compilations. So I think by definition, it's hard to not include this song, but at the same time, it just felt I don't know. Maybe it's the D major key that it's <laughs> there's something so un Pearl Jam about this song. Well, it's a happy uh, song. It is it's a happy song. sounding song. It, it is. Uh, and, and uh, it, it's, it's a Matt Cameron song too. And, and we, we love Matt's uh, odd time signatures. And I think there's a lot of cool things happening in this song. However, I don't know if, first of all, is it aging well? I would dare to say it may not be. I, I don't hear it played ever was it even played on the last tour uh no and i, and I will chime in here and say I, I also have the fixer on my list so what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me uh but i i, 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 I can't imagine them doing one of these without putting it on there even yeah. though i would be completely against putting it on there and totally advocating for not but but i can't imagine the band would ever release a second greatest hits album of volume two and it not feature the fixer yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not necessarily an amazing song, but it's it is catchy. It is yeah. um uh it was it great at bringing I think the casuals back. Do you know what I mean? Like I think yeah. people like yeah. us might might have think like, "Oh, well, it's it's fine. It's fine." But it was catchy enough where I think some people who just like kind of pop rock were like, "Oh, what's that? Well, that's cool." Well, Pearl Jam. Oh, interesting. Cool. Target yeah. ad, great. And <laughs> like you said, it hasn't been played very much. I mean, 92 times total and only four times sporadically that mind you since 2012. So yeah. I, I feel like it's lost some luster in that regard. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's because Pearl Jam has played more of the quote unquote classic hits on these mm-hmm. most recent tours over the last five, six, seven years. Um, but they played it at almost every single show when, yeah. when it first came out. So mm-hmm. it was a it was a staple for a long time. So I agree with you. I, I think Fixer has got to be on there, um, yeah. even if it's not the most remarkable song. Um, you know, th- these are weighted. You're in the back four albums here, which while we enjoy them, it's hard to put them on the same pedestal as some of the earlier stuff. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the next for me, and this is challenging because there, there are... Th- Three songs mm-hmm. off of Avocado that I think deserve to be on a Greatest Hits album, but I'm not convinced that Pearl Jam would even put one of them on. And those huh. three songs for me are Severed Hand, which uh-huh. I think, uh, in contrast to The Fixer, Severed Hand has aged very well. And, and if anything, I am finding that I'm con- appreciating it. It's, it's a- appreciating at a rate that is surprising to me because it was a song I enjoyed but each year I'm finding I have a newfound respect for it that it, and the, the depth to which I appreciate this song continues to grow. Uh, the other two are Comeback and Inside Job. Now, <clears throat> these songs weren't necessarily released as singles. They're also pretty long in the tooth. I thought it was notable that release was absent from the, the first Greatest Hits album. And yeah. I, sometimes I wonder if it had something to do with the time signature. I'm sorry, not the time signature, the runtime of that song and how it maybe would have, you know, that song alone maybe potentially cut out what could have been two songs, right? Mm-hmm. So both Comeback and Inside Job are longer compositions. To me, they're greatest hits. I think that they're two, they're arguably the two best compositions from Avocado. 
but I question whether any of these three songs, whether the band would actually put them on there. But but would you? That, that that's the yeah, point. Yeah, I I, I would. So? I would uh, put all three of them on there because I think those are the the the. Now here's a song that, quite frankly, was a huge hit from this album that I can't imagine not being on the album. That quite I'm not a huge fan of, and that's Worldwide Suicide. So th- this is a song that I appreciate, but I I personally find it a bit overrated and. <laughs> And uh, I kind of prefer the other three aforementioned tracks to it. But I would imagine if Greatest Hits album came out and it was a choice between Worldwide Suicide or any of those other three, Worldwide Suicide is going to get the nod. So this this was tricky for me because you know last week when we talked about River Mirror, it, and you were doing this, you were stressing that it's Pearl Jam's Greatest Hits. Not just... Correct. Because I was like, well, that song, it, you know... Uh, Spin the Black Circle wasn't really a hit, but I guess in there and within the context of Pearl Jam, perhaps it Correct. is. Yeah. So, and pe- people online were talking about, oh, one a Grammy, come on, that's got to be something. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, so, with that in mind, I agree with you on one of those, Severed Hand. Uh, Ooh. M- as you said, maybe a better song than most on that record. Mm-hmm. And, um, it wasn't an actual single, but it has grown into a song I feel should become like a first choice when plucking songs off this album for for current tours. Um, it's got an incredible intro. It's got a great outro oh, solo. Yeah, it has. It has. Um, it's a fine wine. And some of the live cuts that we've seen in the last uh, five, six, seven years have been really, really solid. Um, yeah, the ones off that tour were, fin- were fantastic, especially in Europe, and. I think it has to be. Now we don't have a, we don't have a segment like this yet, but if you ask me, what is the next present tense? The next song that just reappears Mm. many years later, like present tense, 1996, 2006 letterman. Here we go. 10 Mm. years after the fact. And suddenly it's a thing again. I didn't see severed hand in 2016 become a thing again but i can see severed hand in 2026 i guess <laughs> be, being a thing again i don't know um but it's see. a good it's a, it's a good one and i think it has to be on this list um as for inside job and uh what was that one you said comeback so i lied actually i do have comeback on here i, I my eyes scanned over it so comeback i agree with you um it's the more mature older bluesier eulogy version of black we, we've said this before um it's just so big sounding especially on that on that brendan o'brien mix right this one might be on the edge as it's for me as it's only been played 52 times and it wasn't a proper single but i think looking back it'll prove to be one of those best songs in the latter part of their career so to Mm -hmm. your point about present tense this might be that one if they start bringing it back around again they played i think a couple of times come back or inside job come back come back yeah yeah um as for inside job i think it's tremendous but it's hard for me to call it a hit because of its length yeah that that's more of you know when you get to that length unless you're you know uh a band like metallica that plays seven eight minute songs all the time you know Having a song that long be a hit is hard for yeah. a band that's, that generally makes more approachable music. I guess you could say we love it. I love the song. Is it yeah. in the in the catalog? I had to leave it off. Well, l- let me ask you: Would you put "Love Rain Over Me" from the same era? Well, it's not their song. Well, it isn't. But I want to say "Crazy Mary" was a song that a lot of us thought. Yeah. That is because um, I think the context of who wrote that song is much different. Sure, I mean, and that was a, a band, that was a huge I mean, we, song. We had Last them. Kiss. Last Kiss showed up. It was a massive again, single for them. Again, that song hadn't been heard by anybody in fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> so, the both of those covers are songs that no one would have ever heard or remembered if Pearl Jam hadn't have done it. Not Everyone gonna lie. knows it was on my oldies mix long before nineteen ninety eight. Just saying. You're an old soul, though. I am an old soul. But I think for the majority of people, everyone was was like, this is an interesting new angle for them when they put out Last Kiss. And I was like, oh, this is a cover? What? <laughs> so I don't I don't see that being a problem, putting that on. Same thing with uh, the Victoria Williams song. Like, I don't think anybody really knew who she was. Right. Or knew that it was her song. 
Mm-hmm. But the Who, Love Right Over Me. I mean, that song was crushing no, for decades. It. That's that's right. just same with Rocket in the Free World. You can't put on put that on there. It's not their song. Mm-hmm. Um, the song that I would put on from Avocado that you have mentioned is Life Wasted, and the reason I is about it, but... big chorus, catchy lyrics. The first track you heard that felt like proper rock and roll over the over the last half decade. Um, this was a single, and first narrative music video since do the evolution it was a concert mainstay for the next few years and i think it's been played a couple times in this past tour i think it's a song that has such a chorus that feels as anthemic as almost any in the latter half of their career yeah i I think it's emblematic of a stance that they've really championed and and much of what alive has come to represent. Exactly. So for those reasons, the, the wicked solo on the way out by Mike, Mm -hmm. uh, I know it's a little simple. I know fade out or no fade out. Well, I hate, I I don't like fade outs in general. So that's, that's tough, but I think about the entire context of the song and what it's done for the live experience. Um, it doesn't present tense, uh, fade out too. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just, I want to, there's two mixes of life wasted where one fades out and one does not. Oh, is, that's what is, well, isn't one like the demo version that got leaked? Yes. That was great. But did it fade out in, uh, the Brendan O'Brien remix? Yeah, I forget. Same, same thing. It's the same one. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's my reasoning for life wasted. I understand why maybe you don't have it on there. I do what not, re- but that's, that's a good, not? um, I felt like it was a coin. It, ha- it, it, it we wouldn't get severed hand and life wasted to me. So I felt like it had to be one or the other. And w- with me already experimenting with comeback and, and uh, inside job, it, I just I ran out of bandwidth. And so I just said, you know what? What do I think of the strongest songs? I, I love severed hand. I, I, severed hand. I think it's aging well. I'm going to go with that one. Comeback to me is is uh, just a, yeah. a, a, a such a unique song that I don't think we. It, there's really nothing else like it in the catalog, believe it or not. Yeah, there's a, there's such a bluesy feel to it. Not in a, like a, let it's the a waltz, right? play. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's very, well, I mean, th- it has a bluesy feel to it as well, though. Um, yeah. I'm talking about the sign time signature though, isn't it? Like oh a, yes. Dit, yes. Dit, yeah. dit, dit, dit. And it's, it's nice, you know, and, and, uh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous outro as well. So it's, mm. anyway. I'm with you. That it, it's a sister song to black in a lot of ways. So I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that I'm not showing up myself. So, Okay. Okay. So, so uh, is that, that is that, that that's all for us for avocado then? I think so. Yeah. That's so it sounds like it, uh, so I've got severed hand, worldwide suicide, and comeback on my end. You mean inside job, not worldwide suicide? Uh, no, I have worldwide suicide. I, I, right. You, you I, I will put worldwide suicide on there oh, okay. because I think the band would, but it's not a song I would necessarily. Well, we're talking we're, we're, we're talking about you. So you you tell me you oh, don't well, want it on there. Uh, yeah, I mean I wouldn't put it on myself just cuz it's not a song I would want, but I, there's no way in hell there's they're releasing a volume <laughs> 2 without the song on there. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> it'll I, be there. By the way, to that point and that's that's the other song I had on the on the record. Um it's lead single for the record and it was it did really well on radio. Uh, number two on uh, the U.S. mainstream rock chart. Number one on the alternative rock chart. Mm-hmm. Um, hasn't been played much uh, since that tour, probably because it's hard to sing. And maybe some of the themes are a little dated. But I think it played a big part in getting Pearl Jam kind of back in the public eye. I mean, it was on the yeah. radio a lot. It and was. When I, I remember when, when, when I moved out here, um, it just came out. And I was like, oh shit, this is on the radio. This is great. K-Rock was all over their their concerts at the forum. And I felt like that kind of brought them around again. Yeah. So for me, Roll About Suicide kind of had to be on there, even if it's not the best song. Um, right. It, it has a lot of fixer vibes as far as like it it got people to notice what was happening, mm-hmm. which was the opposite of like who you are. Not to say that that's bad or or anything in the grand scheme of music, but like for what a hit would be, it brought more people onto under the tent, I think, to check things yeah. out. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I prefer Army Reserve to that song, uh, among oh, others. As a song, album. yes, I believe it's yeah. a better song. But not the exercise. Not the exercise. Exactly. <laughs> all right, let's go to um, let's go to Backspacer. Then we've we've kind of hit all the avocado. So songs. this one's hard, and I say it's hard because it's very, it's just you know, it's drenching with Ed. 
you, you've got Just Breathe, you've got The End. Uh, it's hard to include one without the Just Breathe is going to be there no matter what. I mean, it was, yeah. a, it was a big, big single. Where I struggle, my friend, was with The Fixer, which we've kind of covered. Yeah. But also, can you do Amongst the Waves and Unthought Known, or do you yes. really have to flip a coin here? Yes, you can. Okay, because I, I did. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hit Just Breathe real fast because you have to. Um, yeah. I think it's the easiest choice of all four of these yeah, records. For sure. Easiest. I mean, the song was huge. You got Willie it's Nelson. Been covered multiple Paris. times. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, peaked at number six on the alternative rock chart. But my guess is that it was that I, I think it was only number six because it was technically the B side to Got Some, which was strange. It was like a split Yeah, single. that is weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, think of all the, all the weddings it was played at. It wasn't it played at yours? Um, uh, it was. Uh, no, it wasn't. Or is a walk down music during it, it was it was uh yeah my wife walked down the aisle to there it. There you go. Uh and referenced it in her vows, actually. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it played it, God, probably every show for four to five years straight. So yeah, boom, easy choice. Amongst the waves and unthought known. So amongst the waves, this was a single, mm-hmm. although so most probably didn't realize that it was. It had a sort of performance sort of uh, narrative like a performance slash narrative video which i didn't even realize existed until like five six years ago um only got as high as number 17 on the alt rock chart but like comeback it's really grown into maybe the best song on the album at least i think so i think i might have chosen it for my most underrated whenever we did that uh the guitar interplay and the slow build is it's very classic pearl jam it's a very classic rock song really and as we get farther down the timeline the bar it may get a little bit lower for some of these songs but i think this is still a very solid choice that eclipses that bar i don't, I don't know how you feel about this one no I, I i'm with you on that one i just find it interesting that oceans does not show up on rear view mirror but a song like amongst the waves has a pretty good shot i think at a volume two it hey i'm gonna say something a little uh a little hot take here. Uh oh. Amongst the waves as a song unto itself and then oceans unto itself, devoid of context of when the songs came out and tours and yada yada yada. Amongst the waves might be a better song. I smell a pole coming. Might be a better song. <laughs> I love oceans. It, it it's a great vibe. It's real simple. It is. And, and if if Ed doesn't sing like he can sing. It, there's not a lot happening there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot happening in amongst the waves. Agreed. I'm throwing it out there. I'm not. I'm not saying definitively is. I'm just saying you can make Look, an argument. If, if you take nostalgia away, introduce somebody to Pearl Jam for the first time, and play both of those songs side by side, I do think it's a lot closer than people might think. That's in what terms I'm saying. Of, hey, what what do you think is a better song? So the point of that being, that's why I think if you're saying how the hell is Ocean's not on this thing, well, then how is Amongst the Waves not on it? Because yeah. I think it's it's it can be considered an equal, at least an equally um, high quality, for sure. Song. Now I will tell you with unthought known. Aside from just its its epic intro and just the way the crowd just starts stomping along with Matt, mm-hmm. that line, um, gems and rhinestones. First of all, it's it's arguably one of the top five highlights of every show. Just just when he does that, it's. Especially if you're watching it at night too, like oh underneath the stars, it is an epic moment in a show. Um, and I think I think they they knew that because the way it's delivered is is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, 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 you cannot have a signature moment like that in a song, and it it not be featured in a volume two greatest hits to me. So, I mean, yeah, that that line alone is one of the best metaphors in the catalog. Yeah. And that might be enough to get this song in there, but the way that it kind of builds with the boom, 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 it's just, it, it does a lot of the same things that amongst the waves does. Um, which is why I think you were kind of like, hey, can you have both? I think you can. The both, mm. both songs are really, really good. And that's why I felt that severed hand in life was a good, if a song is good and it, and it, and it kind of is a tent pole in the live catalog at certain times. I mean, why the hell not? No. So I'm, I'm look, down for both of them. I'm with you. Now, I did put the end on there. Really? But I think that the band would not 
And the reason I put the end on there is that uh, Stone had a really, really profound response to this song. Um, and and I say that because if if you think back to this particular song, I want to say that at the time, Stone had said uh, that it was like one of the most beautiful things he'd ever heard Ed write. Mm. Now, Ed has been just completely complimentary of a song like Buckle Up, and he adores that song. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine Buckle Up being on a Greatest Hits album. So sometimes they we might shall have see. a great... We shall see. <laughs> I, I think sometimes there's a great affinity within the band for a particular song. But when you're releasing a Greatest Hits, you're, you're really thinking about what the crowd wants to hear, what the, what the, what the fans want to deem to be a Greatest right. Hit. Uh, whether it was critically or commercially successful, or it's something that the fans are on, uh, honestly clamoring to hear all the time. Um so so for me i felt like the end was kind of a a a lovely combination of of both in the sense that the band i think loved it but also it was a song that was very well received live it's almost never played anymore but that hush at the end you know that that bated breath that just disappears would be a wonderful uh, end to it's arguably the most profound ending to any pearl jam album in the entire catalog um, so I, I, I can see an argument for that. Now, what I could conceivably bounce this song out for is a track off of Lightning Bolt. And, and this is where it got difficult for me. This okay. was the hardest piece. The, this album, I had the, the most difficult. This was tricky. Yeah. It was because you're, I'm starting to get long in the tooth here if I include the end. But I look at song and here are my contenders here off of uh, Lightning Bolt. I, I had checked off Mind Your Manners, Sirens, Pendulum, and Future Days. And and of those songs, I do not think Sire. I, I think Sirens would be included. I would not want it there. To me, I think it was a lovely idea. Let's go out there and make a ballad because somebody challenged us to do so. But I don't think it was that well executed. Um, at least in terms of of you know, it, it's not like a, a a November rain. You know what I mean? It's not one well, of those things. It's where a high you, bar. Well, I'm just saying, like you, you look at a rock band and you look at a ballad that a rock band puts out and you think, well, that's one of the best songs they ever did. I don't think Pearl Jam's Sirens is one of the best ballads that they've ever done. I, granted, they didn't do a traditional ballad in the past in the way that, mm-hmm. that Sirens is presented. Uh, but it wasn't designed to me to be anything more than an exercise. And the fact that we haven't seen them go down this road again, really in a lot of ways, I think is a testament to the fact that th- th- they just wanted to do it for the sake of doing it. And we recognize that's, that's probably not who they are as a band. And if we're going to get a ballad, it's going to be more of like an Ed, Ed doing a solo thing type, type of a deal, you know? So I think that you have talked me out of putting this on it. Cause I had it on yeah. primarily I, I, because it, it was a single, single had a video, a lot, yeah. had a, exactly all those things. And it felt like for some similar reasons to like the fixer, or worldwide suicide where it got enough attention and was a staple at the time that that would have warranted it being on it. I think if the band does it, I think you're, I think, yeah, I think it's probably no, on don't put for it those on. reasons, yeah. but like I'm in my notes here, I literally wrote like I'm on the fence on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the way you explained it, I, I feel like I'd probably take it off now. And I'll um, be honest with you. I, I would want to take mind your manners off because I don't feel like, they got dad punk right into okay. blood wolf Moon, which which is on here for me and so it, it, i feel like they, they got close with minder manners See, but it doesn't i disagree really okay. minder manners lead single um yeah it, it would hit, be on there but. It, hit, it hit you in the face and i've always really liked it uh, and, and i consider it my favorite dad punk song of theirs oh uh, it's blistering it touches on subject matter that i that I, is relevant to my life um, I also think most fans really enjoy it as they do. By I enjoy seven, it too, but how about a 17 year old knowing the song and playing it in place of Matt in Oakland? Like it, it spans some yeah. generations here. People know the song. It, it just felt redundant to me to have both of those on there. They, they feel the like the super blood wolf moon and minor manners. Just well, to have super to... Blood wolf moon. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Well, there so, you go. When you think about lightning bolt and I literally only had the two songs. I had sirens and minor manners. And you okay. talked me out of sirens. So now I'm down to mind your manners. And I you wouldn't put pendulum or future days on there. No. Fascinating. I like future days. Um, for Wasn't that your wedding is. song? It was our first, uh, my first dance song. 
but it's not a hit. Um, okay. Rarely played. Yeah. Um, I think people thought it was a, a cute moment uh, and a nice touch. But it, as far as a song is concerned, it didn't. A song like that should have become like big, uh, like in a cult fashion if if it was that great. But it mm-hmm. didn't. Correct. So for me, it can't be a greatest hit. As far as Pendulum opened almost every show that tour. Yeah. To me, they had never done anything like that. I thought that was a very brooding move. And I had Yellow Moon on here, too, as a potential no, candidate. Which I, I think that song is great. It's a very, very good song. Yeah, it's it's okay. Oh, man. Really? It's, 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 it's like everything that Neil Young is to the band finally came together in one song. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's as time goes on, the shine wears off of certain things. Sure. And maybe you come back to certain stuff in time. Lightning Bolt, aside from the handful, probably like close to half, maybe 40% of this of the record, maybe half, I, I listen to now and be like, yeah, I still like that song a lot. Mm-hmm. The other half, I'm like, yeah, I can say and, and this is one of Stip's favorite albums. I mean, he adores this album, thinks it's a, a, a mini masterpiece. I, uh, well, it, 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 well, I don't know. I want to say he used that phrase. I could be wrong. I shouldn't put words in, in someone's mouth. Uh, we'll ask him next time he's on. But uh, as a matter of fact, we should just do like a, a full-on <laughs> review of, of this album with him. But uh, look, there's a lot of great songs on What there. else do you have on there? You said, you said explain the pendulum then, because I don't have that on there. It's a lovely song, but it's not a hit. Look, it, to me, it's, I cannot think, when I think of Lightning Bolts, the first song that I think of, believe it or not. And it wasn't even a single, I, mostly because every show that we saw it open, it opened with that song. And the majority of the tour, I feel like, opened with this song. And it, it, they had never done anything that was that, I don't want to say atmospheric. I mean, you know, sleight of hand, I think, was in many ways that way. Part of way, Parting Ways had the elements of that as well. But there was something very um, Pink Floydish, I guess, about Pendulum in yeah. ways that were that were different than what we get on it's all right and i it's just sometimes you see all of pearl jam's influences kind of get absorbed into a blender and then it, they produce something that's uniquely pearl jam but also reminiscent of many of the musical mm-hmm. influences that make them who they are and i i felt that pendulum was a representation of that and it was an excellent excellent composition in a lot of ways and easy left me a long time ago in the same way that the gems and rhinestone rhinestones line always stood out to me on backspacer. This line always stood out to me on, um, on lightning bolt. So I think as much as I really do enjoy that song, it's a great opener. If there was something to take it to another level, like if they just like turned on a dime towards the end and, and Mike just went off on some fucking like Gilmore solo to, to borrow your pink Floyd, vibe um i think it becomes different i think sure. it, it has you, you maybe think it's un- under realized i think so i it's i think it's fine the way it is in an as, of the girl it, sort of way yeah i mean it's almost you could almost make it sort of like a half and half like like hard to imagine is where it has that slow mm. kind of thing and then it shifts in the back half of the song it's just like epic i think you could have done that with with pendulum i think you could have you know done a little turn maybe change the key and then the whole band opens up and allows Mike to go off almost in a vibe of nothing as it seems where he has that, that, mm-hmm. that cloud to like perch himself on. So that would, would make it more epic. And then for me, it would definitely be on, but for now it's just, it's a, it's a lovely concert opener, but that alone isn't enough to get it over the edge for me. Okay. I hear you. And then mind your manners, you, you, you shoot because you want, uh, it, it's, I understand why it's there. I, and I think it would be there if this actually came to fruition, but it just felt redundant to me to have this and, and, uh, a super blood wolf moon on there, which was, so let's, let's go to gigaton then. So super blood you've got on. I do. I do. Ha- I have super, super blood wolf moon. I have dance the clairvoyance. Um, I have Quick Escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Retrograde, which to, for me is a must-have. 
Where it gets tricky is seven o'clock and comes and goes. Oh my God. And, and, and I say that because I feel like the band's putting seven o'clock on here. And, and I don't think they're going to put really? comes and goes. Yeah, I, I do. I just, I, I feel like it resonated with people and they have this, I don't know. It, it, there were a lot of people when this song was first heard chiming on board saying how it was one of the best things the band has ever written. And I think it was, it, I know you're not a fan of it. I get it. But I, I would not be surprised if it showed up on a Greatest Hits album. But I want to see what happens on the next tour. Does this song continue to have life or not? Now, Comes Then Goes, we didn't hear it played once at all. And I question whether or not we ever will. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just a more you know, if it's arc just in a different form in the sense that yeah. it's this, you know what I mean? So I, I am not putting comes and goes on a greatest hits album for two reasons. Number one, I, I don't think the band wants to elevate it that way or Eddie doesn't want to elevate it that way. And number two, uh, I have already argued that I feel like this song would have benefited from the band being able to contribute to that sense of sadness that I, I felt like that it needed them on it. And, and I'm not going to revisit all that because I've already you know, argued for this on the podcast in the past because it's not fair to the composition or Eddie. You know, it's his song. It's how he wanted to present it. But I, I also felt like it was a, a beautiful platform for the rest of the band to express their own, to, to, to explore and express their own sadness. And I think that the song would have benefited from that in a similar way to Better Man having the band on it. Sure. As opposed to just Although, Brendan O'Brien. It. I've argued that the... Brendan on keys and just Ed on guitar might be a better well, version. It might be, but at least there's two things happening there. This is just Ed and the guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean, and it's long to me. Listen, it's kind of long. That's, that's the key, though, because if you're comparing it to the end and you're putting the end on here. No, I, I took the end off. I, I, I okay. took the end off in the end. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, I, I love comes and goes. The length doesn't bother me because I'm hooked on every verse. Every single okay. verse hooks me. So I'm just like, Hell, write two more. I don't care. Make it eight minutes. I think wow. it's beautiful. Um, maybe front to back, my favorite set of lyrics in the entire catalog is that. It's just very, wow. very, 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 very strong. Um, the metaphors that he writes on, on that, um, in the in the the way that everything just kind of arcs emotionally at the end of each. It's mm-hmm. just very, very good. Um, but it's not a greatest hit. You have to actually play the song live <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to get that. Uh, Seven o'clock. I could see them doing. I would not put it on, of course. Uh, I don't have super blood because for in, in the way that you argue things, I think that there are other songs that can do that. Um, like mind your manners. Um, I have dance. Uh, I mean, hell for novelty alone, this thing should be on the list, but it, it takes, it kind of takes what you are did to my brain and doubled down on it. And it, it took a while for me to kind of warm to all that. Uh, um, but the strong response from the fans and the fun performances live and they've kind of earned its spot on the list for me. And the subject matter is as timeless as it is pertinent to the current generation. So that's got to be on yeah. uh, quick escape, big ideas, big riffs, big solos, big choruses. It's just a big song. Uh, there's, there's a reason it's one of the few gigaton songs that was consistent the entire tour and mm-hmm. played when Matt was out with COVID. People just yeah. have to hear it. Um, Stu Rude, you're getting on drums. You know, Josh, you're getting <laughs> on drums. You're playing this fucking thing. And when you let Jeff write a wicked riff and Mike play a wicked solo, you're basically putting peanut butter with chocolate. You're getting the jam, man. You can't you go wrong with those well two said. things together. So quick say, gotta be on there. And I have two others. Ooh. Two others. From Gigaton? From Gigaton. You're going to put whoever said, and you're going to put, uh, I, I know you're doing it. I'm going to tell you right now what they are. You're putting whoever said. Am I? That, that you are. And, and what and, else? And you're, you're also going to put uh, Never Destination. No. Ooh, fascinating. You're not putting Buckle Up, are you? No. Uh, I am putting put on River whoever Cross. said. I am putting on you're whoever said. You're going to put Cross on there. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> so listen. I think I feel like Gigaton is almost like prediction territory as opposed to like you've got a really good idea for this. You know, songs like Just Breathe and and you know uh some of the other songs amongst the waves, some of the, some mm-hmm. songs felt obvious. The Vixer felt kind of obvious. 
Dance of the Clairvoyance feels obvious, but some of these are really hard, especially with Lightning Bolt as well. Whoever said, um, it, it could be a reach. I know you wouldn't have it on there. I've always no. loved the song, and I feel like um, the band... I felt like the band would like the song too. And so I was a little confused when they, when they weren't really playing it much in the beginning of the tour last year, but it became their first choice song from gigaton by the second half of the tour. It featured in nearly every show, especially in that second us leg. It's got a great downhill groove and I think it'll age better than most of the songs on this record, because some of the songs in this record are really kind of, pointed toward towards trump and and i don't want to say cl not climate change is obviously a thing that's that transcends this album in this time but there are some um lines that are very like here and now about some mm -hmm. of those motifs and it kind of gives me vibes of some of the riot act stuff where it felt like now like it almost feels dated in a sense which is why i said i don't see a song like seven o'clock coming around again because it's so friggin' specific um mm -hmm. but okay look i'll give that to you if you go onto itunes and you look up gigaton mm -hmm. this album came out it was released on itunes may uh, march 27 2020 so we're going on two years now three years right three years thank you three three years now so we have a, a pretty good, teacher, right? not a math teacher. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we, we have uh, a pretty long list, or not list, a, a pretty big runway, I would say, to look at in terms of uh, you know, data. Mm -hmm. uh, if you adjust these songs based on popularity, so this is pur purchasing popularity. the The most popular song from this album is "Dance Clairvoyance." Okay. Behind that would be Super Blood Wolfman. Those are the two, and then followed by Quick Escape. Those are the three most popular in order. All singles. Mm -hmm. After that, River Cross. That is the fourth really? most most downloaded song from this album. The fifth one is Retrograde, and the sixth one is Comes Then Goes. So that wow. that's the first half of this album. On the backside of popularity goes Seven O'clock, and then Whoever Said. Uh, the remaining songs, I don't think and either one of us would ever consider in contention for being on volume two greatest hits. And that's in order. Uh, all right. Never destination. Buckle up and take the long way. Interesting to me that take the long way is the least the, the least yeah. downloaded song of all, uh, because it's one that, you know, I, I would argue is, you know, I don't want to tip my hand here, but one of these days we'll do an over under on this album and you mm. can already see where, where I'm leaning here. Uh, but I will say that whoever said is not even in the top half. Uh, but then again, seven o'clock barely is in the top half. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I actually, it's not even the top half. There, there's 12 it songs. It's seven. And whoever said is eight and whoever said is eight. So, so it's possible that not one of those songs actually shows up in, on a greatest hits album. I don't know. Um, I wonder maybe, if it, they, maybe they just take the top three. I don't know. Um, I mean, like I said, th they were pushing, seven o'clock hard they were, they were uh at dana point and that was a year and a half ago and then they started playing it almost every show in that first u.s leg but like i said the second half of that tour in 2022 whoever said played almost every show and i wonder if people people who didn't like really know the record there's new programs coming they have they bought their tickets forever ago and maybe didn't listen to the record all that much went to the show and said oh that song is cool and then listened to it and so there's only the last six months, seven months of a lot of people getting into it. Maybe, maybe it was even lower. Maybe it might've been like nine or 10 Yeah. Uh, before, before the last six months when people were maybe hip to it. Um, and that said, I, I, I think it's one of the top three or four songs in the album, musically speaking. I think mm -hmm. it's that interesting. That's what I would say. Um, the Super Bowl Wolf Moon thing, I totally get. I, I don't know if you have any more notes than that. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I I don't have anything more to add. I just think that they they nailed it. Okay, well then the last song that I have is one that you have as well, Retrograde. Okay. Uh, this one feels a little reachy. Does it? it it's feels... arguably the most epic ending of any Pearl Jam. Hold song. on, hold on. It's reachy in the sense that I don't know that. 
people, the same people who want inside job on here would want this. It shares some qualities, an epicness, yeah. a bigness, a, a, a climax, um, a build. And those are all great things. The reason why I think this comes on over inside job is because it's a little bit more compact and maybe a little bit more dynamic. And I think mm -hmm. the ending is so massive that it kind of puts it over the top. Yeah. Um, but I think for a lot of more casuals, they'd have to come around to that because it isn't like the, the alive kind of ending. It's just, it's a different kind of Epic. Yeah. So yeah. it's more it, like a black kind of ending. It's still, it's more like that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. only been played nine times. I know. Surprisingly, um, I was shocked uh, by that. And I mean, the subject matter, forget about it. it. This is the anthem for how humanity needs to save itself vis-a-vis yeah. -vis its home. Um, and heeding the message in this song makes thinking about quick escape obsolete, <laughs> which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, w w why? I mean, I, that's why I think retrograde was squeak on. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a little bit more strong on it. Care to tell me why? I just think it's one of the biggest things they've ever written. Um, I think the video helped underscore that in a lot of ways. I mean, the imagery, it, it, it was a, it's a message song, but it's also a song that I think encapsulates much of what the band stands for and what they believe is the most important fight. There is, you know, there is, yeah. um, so I, I, and I think that they tried to create a song that reflected how big of a fight this needs to be. So I, uh, and I think it's going to age well. I really, really do. I, I look forward to, uh, to I hope seeing... they it out more. yeah, me too, man. I really enjoyed it live. So we'll see. All right. Well, uh, anything else that would you skip anything that you may have had on I, there? I don't think so. I mean, unless you want to make an impassioned argument for Olay, there's still time. Uh, it's a hard pass. <laughs> yes. Hard pass. Uh, it, it was a single yeah. and yes. <laughs> Only so many songs have been played on late night television, and it was one yep. of them. Mm -hmm. uh, possibly on the worst uh, late night show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Fallon fans. Uh, okay, well there you go. Uh, there's the, the rules in this one were a lot a lot more lax. Um, there's no like time limit really, and there's no amount of songs limit really. So I want to know what you guys think. Did, did we kind of hit all the ones? Uh, like I said, some of them seem kind of obvious. Some of them. You could say, well, I love it, but not everybody loves it. Is it a hit? Is yeah. it not a hit? So how do you guys define Pearl Jam greatest hit? Uh, and think about how th songs were chosen for River Mirror. If they added a third disc, repackaged the whole thing, and said, you know, rear, rear of your mirror, volume two, and add, just add another disc full of songs from Avocado on, what would you put on there? Let us know in the comments, and we'll read them and interact and say, you were right. That's a great shout. Or no, I don't I disagree. Um, but for now, we will move on to our Lyric of the Week. Lyric of the Week this week. We're going to stay in the era, as we are wont to do. And we're going to go back to Avocado. Haven't been there in a while. And we're going to choose the song Comatose. All right, Paul, comatose, the outset of this quick dad punky rocker. What do you make of it? I mean, there, there's it, the vocal delivery of the song, you know, I take never, never mind with, that. Just the, I, well, it's, it has <laughs> impacted my okay. perception of the song. I look, I have always struggled with this one, N not because I don't think it has any redeeming qualities. I think musically speaking, there are some really, really cool things happening in it. But in terms of like, you know, if you want to look at it as like a, a substance song, like a drug song, I, I mean, I could see if this song came out in 1997 in some way it, it'd be this you know it, it would be completely just 
inundated with criticism from right wing media. It's <laughs> like you know, just in terms of like what they think that the that, that Pearl Jam was yeah. actually trying to, to to corrupt the youth with. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't really necessarily think that that has has anything to to do with it. Uh, I've seen some uh, interpretations of the song that are linked to same sex marriage. And that they, they felt like oh. the band was 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 really trying to to write a composition that. Do you think that? Because I don't. No, um, I I don't think that at all. Uh, I, I I am not entirely sure what this song is about, other than it just seems to me that it's like. We've stumped you. It, 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 no, it, it, consider me an object, put me in a vacuum, right? It's this idea that you, you're sucked up into something and then you're just like wrapped up in the turmoil and you're wrapped up in the chaos. And then when it all ends, you are finally free. You know what I mean? I'm upside down and I'll swing there for all of eternity, but I'm free of air. And, and this is key, free of friction. And I think that, that that's an important thing to consider when it comes to these lyrics. So in a lot of ways, it's this idea of like, okay, and to me, I always found it, to, it had more to do with like prescription pills than it did anything mm. else. That this idea that we're just comatose with just kind of like dumbing ourselves down and drugging ourselves from not wanting to feel anymore, not wanting to like a Prozac nation type of, of composition. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so at least when I first heard it, that was kind of my, my interpretation of it. And, uh, feel it rise and next stop falling. You know what I mean? It was just this, this idea of like the ups and the downs that come with it. That's um, an interesting shout. Yeah. I, I so mm. that, that to me has always been my read on, on the song. And yeah. I'm not saying I'm right about it, but <clears throat> well, maybe this, maybe my interpretation will help you uh, appreciate the song a little bit more because I think what you said holds a lot more water than I gave it credit for maybe before. But the way I thought about it was completely different. And I considered the time this was written and coming off the back of the Riot Act tour that it's got to be political commentary. Mm -hmm. So the first line is telling to me, politicians would consider us numbers, objects, like not real people, but statistics that operate in like monolithic groups labeled by age, race, gender, education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And what these politicians, the people with the power want to do is operate without criticism, essentially surround, um, essentially suspending us in a vacuum. If we're in this vacuum, we can wave and flail and yell and nothing will be heard or felt. This is the state of a vacuum, no friction, no air. Uh, if politicians can silence us or ignore us or write laws to exclude our voices, then we are essentially in a vacuum and we'll stay there suspended feeling so frustrated. It feels like we're upside down and that we shouldn't let that happen is what I think he's trying to say. Now, fortunately we do not live in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And even though the fight may be uphill, some hills are steeper than others and they are not insurmountable. So I think that that was the way I took it. If I didn't, yeah. if I didn't think about the political time and how many songs were still railing against the Bush administration, et cetera, et cetera, and songs like Army Reserve, Worldwide Suicide, I don't think I would have saw this angle. But the way that yeah, our government can craft laws, or think about gerrymandering. Where mm -hmm. you know you have you have a county or district that's like a friggin' C shape, and you're like, how is that the district? And so what you're doing is you're silencing the actual voice of the people of a certain neighborhood because you're just putting them in their own boat, and so mm. their vote doesn't really mean anything. You know, it's always gonna be yeah. Democrats, always gonna be Republican. So that's the kind of thing that I was thinking about um, in this verse, especially. But the way that you described the drug thing into the um, the next lines, the chorus. No, that's got me thinking too. Yeah. Lot to digest with this one. I think, uh, this is one of those songs where similar to a couple others that we've, we've covered here, where I think 
when we took a deeper dive into them, we started to develop a, a newfound appreciation for them. Mm-hmm. In in other cases, I should say, as is often the case with a lot of the songs that Jeff writes, uh, we, yeah. we find ourselves developing a greater sense of appreciation, but not necessarily any additional clarity. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, that's, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Uh, it, we don't have to have every song delivered to us gift wrapped with a bow on top. I think it's okay for us to have some ambiguity for us to walk away with the discussion about a song not being entirely certain what it is that it's communicating and, uh, and just let, letting ourselves feel it and, and connect with it in our own way. So, yeah. Well, uh, curious what you guys think about the song. Uh, if you ever thought a bit about it in either one of these ways, or if there's another way that you think about the song, I think Stip actually really likes this song and I'm curious what he thinks it's about. Um, but there you go. Come to us. Knock, yeah. knock that one off the list. So let's uh, let's check out its best live version in our live cut of the week. Ready? Right, live card of the week, comatose, where and when? Uh, well, we're going to a place that is very near and dear to Eddie Vedder's heart. Vic Theater, Chicago, August 2nd, 2007. Sounds raw, sounds immediate. Have to credit the venue for that. You yeah. Know? And you get small venues, you're going to get different performances. I think it's that probably was key why, for me with this one. I was going to say, like, why, why this one? I know the Vic Theater is, is, a, great, you, I, is a great show. I'll never forget. Like, I, 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 when I was living in San Francisco eons ago, I never had that experience of seeing Pearl Jam in some like dingy club somewhere. Yeah. Uh, w- However, I'll never forget going to a show to see Fuel. And um, hmm. I went to see that. I want to say it was at the Fillmore in San Francisco. It was a small venue, right? A big enough, an epic venue. I mean, it's a timeless sure. venue too. But it's the kind of venue that if you're, if you're doing stadium and arenas, you're not doing the Fillmore anymore, you know? So if, if a band ever comes through there, you're really capturing them in their infancy stages or their twilight years. So... I saw Fuel play there with Nickelback, who was an, an op- opener, uh-huh. <laughs> and a band called Full Metal Jacket, who uh, didn't really survive the test of time. 
but they, they, I thought they were they were pretty interesting too. But I'll never forget listening to Nickelback at the show, and they were so full of energy and very raw. And there were a couple of guys that were at the show near me that literally came to the show for them not to go see. You know, and I never heard of Nickelback. I don't even know who the hell they were. There was some band out of Canada at the time. Yeah. So I'm listening. You know, their early stuff was was definitely catchy enough to to get people intrigued. And then of course they blew up with with the How You Remind Me single, but. Um, I didn't get that experience with Pearl Jam, you know? Yeah. So when I heard this version of Comatose, to me, it reminded me of that experience, that experience of like hearing them just play a blistering rock track in a small venue and, and you know, what, what that would be like. It was like, you know, this is a rock show, Josh, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> to harken back to the even flow videos. So that that's to me why it's always been a standout performance from this particular tour and it's a, a fantastically mixed and, and mastered version of it obviously yeah so yeah hard to argue uh and there's obviously plenty of performances from this uh so you were coming for a while uh but yeah vic vic she vic sheeter vic theater show good lord <laughs> um, see i told you i was getting tired i told you i made my way through and we're almost at the end here um well we are at the end that's it uh we, we made it uh, episode 142 in the books um this friday is it friday i can't do math whatever the february 3rd is mm-hmm. february 3rd is the tell a good listener anniversary of yield wow and the band is i think they're putting out some stuff for 10 club members like there's a, a remastered version of given the yeah. fly from the uh the video yeah single video theory single, yeah yeah and uh i think they're doing some stuff on pj radio we're gonna do something but it's gonna have to wait so we would have done something next week just after the anniversary, but we're going to wait another week or two, perhaps we've got a guest and um, that guest was involved in the making of that record. And uh, that person is uh, out of the country for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. working with another band that many of you probably know. So um, that's as much as I'll say, but uh, get ready to talk about how the album was made in a couple of weeks. That'd be really fun. Also, there is a, Pearl Jam fan who lives in the great Northwest and uh, was profiled by some, I, I don't know, YouTube channel or a magazine or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, it was like a three or four minute video. And he's got more than a tambourine, my friend. Oh, I mean, we've spoken to some people <laughs> who have amazing collections of stuff. You know, yeah. the, uh, the, our Polish friends had some great memories. Yep. We, we went to the, um, the art expo in down here in Whittier, California and saw some remarkable stuff, some great posters and, and pictures and, and goodies, collectibles. This guy blows them out of the water, yeah, blows them out of the water. I'm not kidding you when I say that he has literally every single poster the band has ever put out imagine that yeah the dude has a friggin' warehouse and i'm not exaggerating on on that word we're going to talk to him on how that all happened when he got into the band the usual questions because i have got to know (laughs) so he's gonna be on the show unusual questions too (laughs) yeah so get get um get excited for that that's in the coming weeks and then you know our usual listicle stuff that we like to do and uh yeah good stuff what else should the people do Uh, well if they have already been feeding the algorithm and they would like to help feed us because <laughs> it doesn't go that far. You, you can help feed the show. If you'd like to join our, uh, uh, our Patreon, Jason, let the good folks know the little perks that come with that experience. Well, you know, uh, once a quarter, we do our, our hangout. We just did our second one uh, a couple weeks back right before Christmas. Actually, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to know you guys and just dishing like Pearl Jam fans do. We've got, um, we've got uh, a couple of extra lightning. segments that are oh, reserved yes. specific, yeah. exclusive segments. We've got the uh, drop in the show uh, segment, which is basically uh, Paul and I uh, reacting in real time to a random song from a random concert from a year gone by um, in video form. So that's fun. Uh, that's in our Patreon as well. And uh, working on some other things like uh, special merch just for our patrons. There's giveaways only for patrons. When we have big guests on the show, like Brad Clausen, patrons get to submit questions. That kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's, it's good stuff. And you know what? If you become a patron, you get to contribute to the idea that 
where we try to create even more of these little perks. So if you, if you are a patron, you're like, Hey, you know what? It'd be great if you guys offered us this as well. Those are things that you have the opportunity to communicate. So let your voice be heard. We value you and your patronage. So thank you to all of you who are patrons and uh, to any of you who would like to do so. Uh, Jason, how do they do that? Uh, We've got links everywhere. So in the bio of all of our social channels, in the description of every podcast episode, um, there is usually a link tree um, link that has all of our links, including Patreon, including all of our social media channels. Last year, we did a giveaway for patrons. We did. Did we not? Yeah. Well, what, what did we get? Well, that was, that was uh, I gave away the no code album. Was that, that was just for, for everybody. That was for everybody. That was for everybody. That was but for there was everybody. another thing that we gave. We did not want patrons. to discriminate. Yeah. What was the one for just for patrons? I can't remember what it was. Uh, it was a, something, a, something was, on vinyl that you had. You had two copies oh, of something. Maybe it was a single or something. Like we that. had something and we gave yeah. it away only to patrons. And I forget what it was exactly, but there are those things too. Yeah. My brain, you can see my brain is turning to mush. As you're you're shot. You're fried. All the right. listeners probably fine listening to this babble too. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, guys. Uh, again, we appreciate you listening. No matter where you are, we hope you're enjoying the show. And uh, we'll talk to you next week when we do. Until you... How's this going again? Until you do. Until then. You've been listening to... The State of Love and Trust. Love and Trust.